Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. happens when we start talking about freedom or forgiveness, when the pastor gets up and starts talking about forgiveness, a lot of times our walls just start slowly going up, right? Because you're thinking that person, that woman is going to tell me to forgive the person that I can't stand. The person who hurt me so much. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to tell you who to forgive. I'm going to let Jesus do that. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit of God can do what I cannot do. Okay. But what I found so fascinating about Jesus is I felt like he illuminated for me this week the intersection between stewardship and forgiveness. Stewardship and forgiveness. I mean, the reality is this. If you have ever had something valuable that's meaningful to you, that's precious to you, and you've given that away, and you've entrusted someone else to care for it, to steward it, and they didn't do it, it's pretty painful, isn't it? I mean, have you ever given money to someone or some organization, and they totally just took advantage of you? I mean, have you ever given maybe a room, you've, you've loaned a room in your house out for people or something that's really precious to you or some things that matter to you and they just took advantage of it or they didn't care for it or they didn't steward it very well? I mean, doesn't that cause you pain? Doesn't that make you angry, right? And I think for many of us, this is what can happen. I mean, at the end of the day, some of us, we just still feel pretty like angry or have offense in our hearts for years because really we feel like our mom and dad didn't even steward us very well. They didn't steward our childhood very well, right? And so we're just realizing that, man, we're harboring some unforgiveness in our life. Maybe they didn't care for your emotional well-being. Maybe they didn't protect you the way that you were supposed to be protected. Maybe you had a parent that never said, I love you. And now you're a parent and you're like, I can't imagine ever not doing that for my child, right? And so we have these situations that happen where we expect people to steward our hearts or steward our lives or steward our feelings or steward our emotions and our money and they didn't steward it. And they didn't care for it very well, right? And that hurts us and we're offended and we're struggling with that offense. I mean, if I'm honest, it's difficult to forgive someone who hurt us. Can I get an amen? It's hard for all of us. I don't know if you've seen these therapist jokes that are on social media, but Pritipun and I wrote one actually, and this is what happens. This is, our, this is what happens when we feel hurt, right? Therapist says, what do we say when people hurt us? Me, called it. <laughs> therapist, no. No, right? Like God wants us and has something really profound in forgiveness when we are hurt. And everyone in this room, everyone in this room knows what it's like to be so hurt that it's difficult to forgive someone, right? So we're going to dive into the scripture in Matthew chapter 18, a story, a parable that Jesus felt was really important to share when Peter asked a profound question. So I'm going to read this. We're going to go through it kind of fast. It says this, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? 
No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Then he decided to tell a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought, brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Remember that. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him not millions of dollars, thousands of dollars. He grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his collector, his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my father in what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. And I just want to say this last verse that says this is what our father in heaven will do. What it means is that if we don't forgive, if we don't use our second chance very well like this guy did, we're going to be in trap and in bondage to our own unforgiveness, right? That prison, that place that you feel like you can't get out of. I mean, this servant was such a hypocrite. He was given a second chance, right? The master cleared him, said, hey, you go, take your time. You can pay me my millions. What does he do? He goes and tries to get his thousands. The guy says, please just give me more time. And what does he do? He's like, no way. So he didn't even steward the forgiveness the master gave to him. He didn't steward that. He didn't care about that. Here's what I want us to see. I mean, he was just grateful enough that him and his family didn't go to prison, and that's where it stopped. We're going to talk about that here just in a little bit more, but I am someone who knows what it's like to be given something valuable, and I didn't steward it very well. About 15 years ago, Pastor Pradeepan and I lived in South Korea for a year. We were dating at the time. With We went with some friends to South Korea to work and live, and as we were there, I was really missing my family. Like, I was so homesick, and I was, every day, I was like, I miss my family, you know? And so Pradeepan being the good boyfriend that he was, okay? He was a good boyfriend. He was compassionate. He felt sad for me. He got me a very thoughtful gift because I was missing my family so much. He got me one of those digital picture frames. You guys remember what the, this was high tech back in the day, okay? What you do is you get this digital picture frame, you plug it in, and that bad boy just scrolls through your pictures. You don't have to have pictures all over your, your room. You just have to like watch it. And it just scrolls through it, kind of like watching TV or something. And it was so thoughtful because he knew that I was missing my family so much. And to this day, you guys, I cannot tell you why, but I never plugged it in. <laughs> I got it. I appreciated it. I set it down and I never touched it again. Has that ever happened to you? Am I alone? Okay, and so like, I don't know why. Pretty much like, Amrita, I got this for you as a gift because I knew it'd be meaningful to you and you didn't plug it in. Why? I was like, it is meaningful. I don't know why. I don't know why I just didn't plug it in and just sat there for a year. And to this day, you guys, he has never forgiven me for this. <laughs> this message is for Pradeepan. <laughs> just kidding. 
if we're honest, I think if we're honest, every single one of us in this room has either thought or said about someone, I will never forgive this person for what they did. I will never forgive what happened to me, right? We have all been there. We've all thought it. And I think the problem is, is we begin to be entangled in bitterness. It happens slowly. It doesn't just happen often, just very quickly. Over time, we're entangled. We're rehashing those conversations, and we're always right when we rehash it, right? We go back to those text messages. Oh, yeah, I didn't say anything wrong. You know, like, that person did something wrong. And we don't even realize that all of a sudden we are entangled in bitterness and in resentment. And I want to tell you, church, Jesus wants to free you. We are on a journey of freedom, okay? And we've got to make sure that we are looking at our hearts. Oh God, search me. Help me, Lord Jesus. And so I think one of the hardest things that we have to understand is that we believe some inaccurate things about forgiveness, okay? A lot of times when we feel like we're supposed to forgive, we feel like if I forgive this person, I'm giving them a pass, right? I'm giving them a pass. I'm going to go through some of these inaccuracies that we believe about forgiveness. and I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is you are not giving them a pass. What they did was still wrong. How they hurt you and the feelings that that brought up, that is all valid, right? That you don't have to minimize that. We think that we're letting them get away with it. We think that it makes it okay. I want to tell you this morning, it did not make it okay for you to forgive someone. You don't have to gaslight yourself when it comes to forgiveness and what happened to you. You can forgive and still be very honest about what happened to you. Can I get an amen? This is important because these are the things that make us resist forgiving people, right? <clears throat> Sometimes uh, we think that we're supposed to just forgive and forget. Well, I don't know about you, but when I have been hurt, I do not forget easily, okay? We don't have to forgive and forget. It's always going to be a part of your story, whether you want it there or not. But you can still forgive and you can still remember and you can remember how God set you free from that resentment, right? And this is, this is what I think is really important. We have to really understand, some, this is going to free some of you up, is that you do not, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, those are two separate things. God loves reconciliation, but reconciliation is not required for forgiveness. Okay? So what I'm not telling you is that in order for you to forgive or to prove that you forgave someone, you have to now go back and be buddies with that person. No. For many of us, we need some time. We need some space from that person. Listen, if you are somebody who needs to be forgiven, I've been this person, I needed forgiveness, and I felt that person distance from me. And I'm like, why are they distancing from me? Because they need to. Let them. It doesn't mean they haven't forgiven you, right? Reconciliation does not precede forgiveness. Can I get a good amen? For some of you, that should set you free. That's going to help you realize, okay, before God, I can forgive this person and my heart can be untangled from the bondage of offense and unforgiveness, right? And then I think the last thing that we believe is that if we hold a grudge against this person, it will punish that person. I'm going to make sure to punish that person. That's why I'm not going to forgive. Well, I don't know if you know what the old saying is, but it says this. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, but expecting the other person to die. 
right? That's what unforgiveness does. We're actually drinking the poison and we're actually being affected by that poison. Slowly over time or quickly, we become entangled in resentment. I mean, do you realize that Jesus thought so much about forgiveness that he put it in the most famous prayer in all of scripture? When the disciples said, Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus gave them the Lord's prayer, right? And so he says, you need to be able to forgive. I want us to read the Lord's prayer together. We like being a little bit of a liturgical church. So can we read this all together? Let's read the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Amen. And the truth is, you guys, forgiveness is a fundamental part of our Christianity. It is a fundamental. I have seen so many Christians say, I'm going to commit to freedom. I'm going to follow the ways of Jesus all the way up until it's time for me to have to forgive somebody who very deeply and profoundly hurt me. And I want to tell you, it's a fundamental part of our Christianity. We have to be able to learn how to forgive those who have hurt us and who have offended us. I mean, I don't know if you've met Christians like this, but I have met Christians. You can tell that they are harboring offense and unforgiveness in their lives. They're usually pretty angry. They're a little bit bitter. Sometimes there's a chip on the shoulder, right? Sometimes there's just like this, this like bitterness in their souls. Have you met these kind of people, right? A lot of times we can become those people when we harbor the offense. Christianity must include forgiveness, right? And so C.S. Lewis says this, to be Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you, right? So today I want to answer the question, how do we forgive? How do we forgive? This is not a three-step process. It can be a long process. There are some people in my life today that every day I wake up and I have to choose forgiveness. It doesn't happen sometimes very quickly. Sometimes it happens over a period of time. So number one today is this. Let God's grace truly captivate your heart. This is how you're going to forgive. When God's grace and forgiveness captivate our hearts, our only response is to use our second chance to give others their second chance, right? I mean, how did this guy, this servant in this scripture, what did he do? He used his second chance. And like I said, he just used it enough. He was just thankful and grateful enough that he got a pass and his family didn't go to prison. And then it stopped. Forgiveness was never meant to just be given to us, but never be given out of us. Right? Forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. It's like this loop over and over and over again. And so I think we have to realize that many of us, our hearts are not captivated anymore by the forgiveness of God. We have become complacent to what we know about God and about his forgiveness and about his grace. I mean, look at, look at Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful, sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God, 
Read this with me. Made you alive with Christ, for he has forgave all our sins. This is crazy, beautiful news about our lives. Do you realize that Jesus canceled the debt? What we deserved, the way that we deserve to suffer for our sins, Jesus took upon himself so that we didn't have to suffer. suffer. When did we get used to this? When did we become so desensitized to the great love of our Father who sent his Son to die that we might have new life in Christ? When did we get so used to that? It's sad, you know? I mean, when's the last time, let me ask you, when's the last time you had wonder again about God and the gospel of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you were captivated by his love? You know, this week as I was preparing this message, I said, God, I don't want to preach this message if I'm not captivated by your love. And so I sat down, be still and know you are God. We we just sang those verses. And I just remembered how God captivated me and how he was with me, how he forgave me and how others forgave me. His tangible love came through others. Listen, I was in a bad mood for about four years a few years ago, okay? And I was just mean and I was angry. We sang like, God, you will get me through the storm. I was the storm, okay? My husband had to live through that storm. But you know what? By the tangible grace of God, he forgave me again and again. And God, he walked with me over and over. He never left me. He said, Amritha, I'm going to give you another day so that you have grace for another day. I know you're hurting. I know people have hurt you. I know that you just want to take it out on everybody else. But listen, I forgive you. I love you. I will do anything for you. And I did everything for you. When did we get used to this? I want to tell you, you're not going to be able to forgive the person who hurt you so deeply if you are not captivated by the love and grace of God. So you need to pray, God, bring back my wonder. Bring back my wonder. Help me to be captivated again, right? Jesus wants to entangle you from the resentment that you carry in your life. And you're only going to be able to do that when you remember his goodness, when you remember what he did for you. So do what I did. Take a few moments and remember. Remember how you've been forgiven, right? I want to tell you a story. About two weeks ago, I was in Cambodia. I used to work in Cambodia 10 years ago. I went back for a 10-year anniversary of a company that I had the opportunity to co-found, helping women in poverty in Cambodia. 10 years ago, I went there, and actually, let me just say this to you, first of all, on your sheets, this, my organization, Landmine Design, is actually on there. Kalos Church has been supporting this organization for the last six years. But I wanna tell you, I was just there, I saw it all. But 10 years ago, when we started, I went, this village that is in Cambodia that we did ministry in, it sets on a former minefield, a former minefield, because what happened during the Khmer Rouge War is that when the Khmer people tried to run for safety in Thailand, the Khmer Rouge put landmines all over the border so that when they left, they would have to die and step on these landmines, right? And so when I first started going there 10 years ago, there were these Martian looking guys who had these uh, uh, metal detectors and they were sweeping for mines, right? And so we get there and I could not believe the poverty and the destitute that I saw in this village and among these people. They were the poorest of the poor. They lived in dirt huts. The women would have to go across the border to Thailand, one of the most heavily trafficked borders in the world, to be able to get work so that they could provide for their families. And when they went across the border, they were enslaved. They were trafficked. 
They were treated like property. We would go to their their grass huts and we would try to minister to them and invite their kids to come to a little Bible school that we were doing. And the kids, a four-year-old was there taking care of their little sibling that was a baby and they didn't have any food to eat because mom and dad were trying to bring money, but they couldn't provide for them, right? And so we went, we said, we have to do something. And we went to the Cambodian leadership of this village and, and we just said, what can we do? And the women looked at us and they said, we need safe jobs. We need to be able to work and be with our children. And so we said, okay, what could we do? And God gave us an idea to start a job creation program. So what we did is we taught them how to make this jewelry and they, uh, we sell it in the States and we'd be able to pay these women, right? And I'm gonna be honest with you, 10, ten years ago when we started this, I mean, I, I, like, when you're an entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, we're gonna do this. And then you get into it and you're like, yeah. This isn't going to happen. Like, are we going to move the needle in the direction of rising above poverty at all? You know, I mean, the reality is, is we were so, we didn't even know. They don't have electricity. Some of these women were trying to make jewelry by moonlight only. This was the reality of their situation. We had to realize, like, this is not, this is not American culture. This is not us. This is not, you know, we got we to gotta really figure out how to make this work, right? And when I left, I haven't been back to Cambodia for six years except for two weeks ago. And when I left, I was, like, encouraged a little bit, but mostly discouraged. Like, hopefully this thing keeps going. I told Kalos, Kalos, can we continue to support them? I believe that this thing could go somewhere. And two weeks ago, I went back, and you would not believe what I saw. These women, these women have been transformed. They have been transformed. I mean, not only are they earning an income, they, we, we had to put education with it. They learned how to manage their money. And the women, these w- women who are strong, brave, fear of God type of girls, okay? Like they learned how to have an income. And not only that, but they learned how to build houses. And they saved their money to be able to build their own houses. Many of them, about, probably about uh, seven out of the 10 of them, or, seven out of, uh, there's, there's more than that, but they learned, but over half of them have learned how to do this. And so what I want you to do, they didn't build their own houses. They saved money. I want to show you a before and after picture. First of all, there's a before picture of what most of the women's houses look like. This in particular is a woman named Vern who I met 10 years ago and helped hire into the program. Um, 10 years later, she's still in the program. She saved her money and let's go to the next photo. This is her new house. This is her new house on a former minefield. We can go to the next program. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? She did that because of the grace of God. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The thing that I was the most amazed by, shocked out of my mind. I mean, I believe in Jesus and I believe in his transformation. But the thing that I could not believe is that these women who I met 10 years ago and hired into this program, they had such hard hearts. Their souls were heavy. Their spirits were dead. And I went back two weeks ago after 10 years and their souls are alive. Jesus has transformed them. Their eyes, literally I looked at their eyes are full of hope. And I couldn't believe it, you guys. And here's what I want us to get. Part of the transformation that happened in their lives is the ability by the grace of God to forgive their abusers. To forgive the people that enslaved them, that trafficked them, that treated, like, tr- treated them like they were not human, like they were property. They forgave them because they didn't want to be trapped and entangled in the bondage of unforgiveness in their lives. And they today are experiencing freedom. Isn't God good? 
Isn't God good? And so I tell you this story because I believe that we have to be people who are, are, are recaptured. Our hearts have to be recaptured by the wonder of God's grace and how he did that for them. And so I want to I wanna read you this quote that says this, Jesus came to give us life so unimaginably beyond anything that we could ever hope to conceptualize, conceptualize that wonder cannot help but be our constant companion. Oh, Lord, bring us our wonder back. Captivate our hearts, God. Help us to remember what you have done for us. Can I get a good amen? My second thought this morning is this. Forgiveness requires faith. Look at Luke 17.3. This cracks me up. Jesus is talking and he says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Verse five, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. I love this because Jesus basically looks at them and he says, listen, no matter how often someone sins against you, if they come back, even, in, even seven times in one day, if they come back and repent, you need to forgive them. There's never a time that you should not forgive those who offend you. And you know what the disciples said? They said, oh, God, give us faith. <laughs> like, we can't do this on our own. That's what I would have said. You're asking me to always forgive. And what do they do? Increase our faith, God. Like, we can't do this without you, you know? And I love this because God is not asking you to forget what happened to you. God is not asking you to figure out how to forgive out of thin air. He will give you everything you need to do it, faith. He will give you the faith to be able to forgive, right? We're not going to be able to forgive the person who did the unforgettable, unforgivable to us without faith. Now, what are we having faith in? We're having faith. Listen, watch this. We're having faith that although God is not always fair, he is just. He is a just God. Having faith to forgive someone means trusting that even though God isn't fair, he is just. I want to tell you what I mean by this. This quote by Mike McGeary, it says this, God is just because he does not overlook sin, but he is not fair. It simply is not fair that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross on my behalf. It is not fair that he endured the rejection and wrath that should have been mine. It is not fair that I received the grace of God because he transfers the guilt of humanity on the innocent shoulders of Jesus. But he is just because the punishment was given out and paid for. If God was fair, we would all receive what we've earned, death. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Imagine a fair God who gave to everyone what they deserved. We'd all receive the judgment we deserve. Thanks be to God for his love and grace and mercy, which turned his justice against himself so that sinners could be reconciled with God. Isn't that powerful? Church, God's going to give you the faith that you need to be able to forgive the person or the people in your life that you need to forgive. Now, I told you about the really happy part of my trip to Cambodia. There was a really sad part. There was a part that today I'm still trying to figure out how to forgive someone. Because right before I left for my trip, my former boss called me and she said, Amrita, I want to prepare you because we're going to go back to that village. And what I want you to understand is that we no longer as an NGO can go back into that same village. We're still able to help the ladies because they were able to buy motos and be able to go to a new place and we're still able to help them. But we no longer can, can go back into that village. What I want you to understand is about uh, 15 years ago, before we started the job creation program, what we did first was we, under the Cambodian leadership, we built two schools 
K through five education in a village that never had education before. We built a medical clinic. We built a, a, a headquarters for the, the women of Landmine Design. We were able to start a medical clinic. It never really got off the ground, but we, we raised funds for it. We, we tried. And she said, I want you to prepare yourself because we're going to go back to the village. And on this plot of land where we were able to, with partnership with our Cambodian uh, leaders in that village, we built all of this stuff all together. And sure enough, we go back there and I could not believe my eyes. We walk onto this plot of land and I'm telling you, there was grass that was overgrown all over. There was cows walking around these empty school buildings. There was cow dung in these school. My greatest memories are of hiring teachers for this school and of going around this village trying to ask if their children would be able to come to school. What can we do to make that possible? And now this man who was, was leading this charge became so corrupt that he started stealing money. The teachers started treating the children in abusive ways. And our NGO said, we can't support that. Because when we went to confront and bring accountability to this person, he didn't want any accountability. And so he kicked us out. And I look at these buildings and I stood there and I'm like, what kind of evil person wants to leave children illiterate and hungry? And I just stood there so angry at this guy. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not about me and Pradeepin, but we were first married. Five, we were in our first five years of marriage when I first started working there. We gave hundreds of dollars to a medical clinic that I helped put the blueprints together. And now it's just a building that's sitting there empty. All these buildings are empty. And I just said to the Lord, Lord, thousands of people, Hundreds of people have given money to see this through because they believed that education is the way to reverse poverty. People gave to this, God. How could you let this happen? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me in that moment as I'm standing there looking in this school. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Amrita, you, didn't, you and Pradeepin didn't give your money to these children. You gave your money to me. You said when you got married that that you were going to dedicate your finances to the Lord. That Jesus was going to be Lord of your life, not money, or the control you need to have over it. Right? And I started to realize, God, give me faith to forgive this man. Not only that, but give me faith to believe that maybe one day you'll do something again with these buildings for the glory of God. God, help me to believe that you have offered the kind of grace and forgiveness to me so that I wouldn't be entrapped and ensnared in unforgiveness to hold a grudge against this man for years of my life. Because you guys, you know what? I know I could have. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I wanted to be free of that. And if you're sitting here today and you say, Amritha, if you knew what happened to me and if you knew who did it to me, I'm telling you, I don't have the faith enough to do that. I don't have faith enough to forgive that person. Well, you know what the next verse in this Luke 18 story says? Jesus looks at these guys and he says, all you have to have is the faith of a mustard seed. And you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and thrown into the sea. So if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't have the faith for that, all you have to have is a mustard seed of faith. So you say, God, would you give me even just a mustard seed of faith? Because I am on a journey of freedom and I don't want to stop before I get to the part where I become unentangled and unbondaged from the place of unforgiveness and freedom in my life. I mean, come on. Our hearts have been recaptivated by the forgiveness of God. 
And he says, I'll give you everything you need to be able to do this. God is not fair, but he is just. He is just. Lastly, number three, I want to say this. Number three is this, let go. Did you know that forgiveness literally means to let go or release? I mean, for some of us, we're able to just sort of let go and release pretty easily. I have people in my life like that. I'm like, how did you do that? Right? And then for some of us, we're like, like, okay, like for year one, I got here. Year five, I'm here, right? It takes me so long to let go of what happened to me and what happened. I'm still living with the effects of it. How could, I, how could I forgive? How could you ask me, Holy Spirit, to forgive, right? And I just want to tell you this morning that many of us are being confronted with things that we're holding on to so tightly in this legacy series and this freedom series. And God is saying, let go. You don't have to forget about it. You're not giving them a pass. You don't even have to reconcile but let go. Let me free your heart of this bondage that you're living in, right? You know, there are some of you in this room that have given money to church building projects that no longer exist. Those buildings either have been torn down or they've been sold to high rises or I don't don't know what, but you've given. You've given your heart. You've invested your time. You've invested so many different parts of your life and and, 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 and you're like, I and you're asking me to forget, you're asking me to give again, God, and I know that it's hard. I want to tell you right now that some of the hardest people that, have I, that I've had to forgive in my life are pastors. It's church. We all have so much church hurt, right? And I want to tell you this morning that I chose daily to forgive the leaders and the pastors and the, the, this guy in Cambodia over and over again because you know that if I don't, I stand up here as your pastor and I risk hurting you too. It's important that I forgive, that I am free, that God would heal my heart and he wants to heal yours. And I want to say this. For those of you that say, the person I can't forgive is myself. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is ourselves because we've caused pain or we've caused hurt or we just kind of feel like we suck, (laughs) you know? You know, and Jesus says, if you confess your sin to me, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. That's the promise that you have this morning. So this year, our Kalos Church legacy vision is to, to bring stability to our church. We moved into a building. We added a third service. We've been pushing hard. And now what God said to us is, hey, stabilize. So what you're giving is to a vision of stability, adding more staff, uh, making these connections with our community partners and our global partners. We're strengthening those. We're not just going to push, push, push. We're going to strengthen them. That's what you're investing in. And I want you to know, because I know for some of you, it's difficult to let go of that again, to give to another something right? But you know what? Jesus, you can trust him with your finances. Let him be Lord over your life. Amen. I want to close with this story this morning. In 2006, there was a gunman who went into a one-room schoolroom, an Amish one-room schoolroom in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And in this one room, there were students, boys and girls, but he lined up the girls, 10 girls, And five of them were killed and five of them lived. And then the gunman shot himself. And in this Amish community, they were devastated by all of this. And the the mother of the gunman, the mother of the gunman went home that day and her husband was standing there and said, it was our son. It was our son who went in and did this horrible massacre. And the woman just, she couldn't even hardly walk. She was just devastated by this. And so sure enough, they decide they can never face their Amish neighbors again. They were just horrified. 
at what their son had done. And so they decided to have this real private little funeral for their son who had just killed these girls and harmed five others. And they go and they have this cemetery funeral and all around the perimeter of the cemetery were Amish people who came to this man's funeral. And they walked up to this husband and this wife, the mother and father of the gunman, and they said, we forgive you. We forgive you. You don't have to leave our community. We forgive you. Now, I want you to understand, they still had to grieve. They were still probably angry. They had to go through all the hell that you go through when you have to bury a child, okay? But they forgave them. They forgave them. And sure enough, the mother of the gunman, several years later, found out about a little girl who had been so injured, she was paraplegic, she was in a wheelchair, she had a feeding tube, she wasn't able to speak. And the mother of the gunman said, I, I was so forgiven by the Amish community. And she went to this family's house and she said, could I come over once a day and, and take care of your daughter for you and just give you guys a break? And she said, and they said, yes. So every day, every week, she goes and she brushes this little girl's hair. She bathes her. She sings to her. This was the mother of the gun, gunmen. What did she do with her second chance? The Amish people forgave her. So she didn't have to just crawl in a hole and die out of just embarrassment and hurt. What did she do with her second chance? She went to the same community and she said, can I help you once a week with the, your little girl who was harmed by my kid? Isn't that amazing? Isn't forgiveness, forgiveness feels like it is, can be impossible, but it's possible. With the love of Jesus, with the faith of a mustard seed, you can forgive. Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to forgive them for? God will give you the grace to do it. So let go. Let go. You're not forgetting, but you're letting go. And you're letting freedom be a reality in your life. Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for the ability to forgive. Lord, I mean, first and foremost, God, what can we do? But thank you for your forgiveness for the way that you took our transgressions and our sin and our mess. And God, you forgave us and you said, I'm not gonna leave you, but I'm gonna walk alongside of you. All those crooked ways are gonna become straight and I'm gonna bring you freedom. And so God, I'm praying that that would be so meaningful to us, that we would not become so complacent by it, that we too would be able to extend that forgiveness and that grace in the name of Jesus. Father, we worship you this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.